This morning, uh, if you will turn your Bibles over to Acts chapter 1 next week. Does everybody know what next week is? It's Pentecost Sunday, if you didn't know that. Pentecost Sunday. And so we're going to look at that, start looking at that for the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And hey, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God's got a call and He wants to do a work in our lives. And, it, and it's necessary for us to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to look at that today. And we're going to look at today waiting for the promise. He promised it to you and me, not only in the book of Acts, but He promised it to us. And we are wanting Him to uh, fill us full of His Spirit this morning. If you've got that, we're going to look at the first eight uh, verses of uh, Acts chapter 1. There'll be some other verses that I, uh, I apologize to Garrett right now. He won't find up there because I didn't got everything up there, but you, I'll read them to you. Uh, but we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 verses. And the Word of God says, The former, this is Luke writing, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, that's the cross, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. And here's our key verse. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Waiting for the promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, God, we're right here this morning and we know that God, you didn't stop 2,000 years ago pouring out your spirit. Lord, overflowing your people with your power. But God, today, if we are hungry for you, God, we'll overflow with your Holy Spirit. And God, that you'll use us. God, you'll do mighty things in our life. But God, we've got to make ourselves available to you. God, what we need in this last days is a church full and overflowing with the power of the Holy Ghost, God. We need to see your power. We need to see your glory. We need to hear from you. And God, this world needs to see the fire from your heavenly throne and God I pray that you would speak this morning and God that you would minister as we come before you in this altar service God and Lord you would reach the lost and fill your people in Jesus name amen amen hallelujah amen you can be seated this morning waiting for the promise waiting for the promise is is our title this morning and uh, we want to we want to let you know this morning that it's available for you it's available for you. You know, is this important? If we can put that title slide back up. This, it, it, it's important because the, uh, uh, this is the last thing that the Lord said. This is the last 
thing. Now, he spent 40 days, 40 days going over and instructing them, it says, in the kingdom of God. 40 days telling them all the last-minute instructions. 40 days proving that he had risen from the dead, too. And not one person. In fact, one time, 500 people in the same crowd got to see him risen. And so we see that for 40 days, he had been giving them his instruction. But this is the last thing he said. And it's recorded so that we understand. How many knows that last things are lasting things? I heard that one time, and I believe that. And I, I think of many times that you're giving your kids instruction. You're getting ready to go out of town. And, and I remember giving them, now you need to make sure you feed the dog, and you need to make sure that you take out the trash on Tuesday and you need to make sure that you lock the doors at night and you make sure all these different instructions but the last, but all of a sudden at the end you say but now listen to me make sure but the most important thing is you got and you give them that last minute don't if you forget everything else you better not forget this you better remember why because that's the most important thing you put it at the end because that's the thing you want to stick in their mind you give them 20 things other things but you want them to make sure you get this right and everything else kind of fall in this place and that's what's going on here he's trying to give Give us that last minute instruction to realize that the most important thing is you're not going to accomplish what I've told you for the last 40 days unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Unless you let God do his part in your life. And this word baptized in the Holy Spirit, this baptized means to be dipped or immersed. It's when you, some of you all, and most of you all, hopefully all of you, have been baptized. And then if you've been baptized, we don't believe in sprinkling. We don't come up with a holy pan of water and take our fingers and just kind of sprinkle on you a little bit. It's like you do as you're getting out of your car, coming into church on some services. But no, we put you completely under, showing that God didn't just say part of here, just a little. God completely washes you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. So we believe that same thing when it comes to water baptism. And this same word here is saying God not only wants to wash you completely clean, but he wants to totally immerse you in the power of his Holy Spirit from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Many of you all know this story, but I can't say the word uh, immerse or baptize without thinking of Donnie McWhorter. I can't, can't, can't forget that story, and I, I'm going to tell it again. That's what, that's what has happened when you're a pastor. You get to tell stories as many times as you want. So, uh, so I, when I was a young, a young guy, I think it's where Frida lives now. I believe it's, is that where it is, Dad, where her house is, that bridge you take? They, or bon, Bonnie and Cecil, excuse me, Bonnie, where Bonnie lives. So the, right there, that little bridge where Bonnie lives, I hadn't seen that since, since this event. And it all brought these memories back recently. We went over there and seen them. Uh, back around Christmas, I guess, or something like that. And so we, when Dad had decided to take me fishing, and so I, and Dad had evidently got kind of down the creek, get away from me. Donnie had come down to uh, my cousin to fish. And the pond. we standing on that little bridge, and we was casting off of the bridge and stuff. And I guess Donnie finally got tired and ready to go to the house. And Dad was far enough away, he couldn't save me. And uh, so Donnie started telling me, he said, look at that in that water. And I said, what? And he said, right down there. And I said, I don't see it, Donnie. He said, you've got to look closer. And I, I leaned over a lot closer. And when I got about halfway over where there's a point of no return, Donnie decided to shove me into the creek. And so I went, I went head first into the creek. And by the time I come out of the water, Donnie was already running up his road, laughing as fast as hard as he could. But he knew I couldn't catch him. He had a head start. I knew I got my first dose of baptizing right there. 
I got the first. And, and that's, but that's what the Lord wants to do with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be totally saturated. Hey, listen, I hope that by the end of this message, if you haven't been filled or you haven't been filled in a long time, that there would be a hunger to fill your soul today that you'd say, Lord, that's, that's what I want. This is what I need. I need to be filled and refilled and rekindled by the Holy Spirit. And so this morning we're going to look at the three, the three things about the Holy Spirit. First, we're going to look at the priority. The priority of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. It is important. It is important. In fact, we can see the word here in verse 4 and says, and being assembled with them. Actually, when you look at this, this can go one way. This is actually the Lord actually could have been having a meal. This word also was talking about eating. When he was sitting there eating with them, fellowshipping with them, he was together with them. And it says he commanded. That word commanded there is a very, very strong word. It is ordered. It is like a general giving an order do this, and he expects full obedience. And what he's saying here is to his disciples, I've told you all these other things, but listen to me, Get me get your attention here. You stay here. It says here that he commanded them, he ordered them that they not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard me. I've told you about it. I've told you, listen, I know you're going to get, you're anxious to start your ministry. I know you want to do the things, and I know, Peter, you particularly, you're going to want to just jump right out there and take off. But let me tell you something. Stop. Wait on me. Wait on my presence. Wait on my spirit. Let me, you've got to let God, God God's got to be the one to take over. And so many times I've made so many mistakes, even in ministry, when it was me. And God says, no. I want to move through you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to them, I command you, do not take step one until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And you will understand why once you get filled. They had no question in their mind the moment, 10 days later, when that Holy Spirit swept through that upper room and they spilled out in the street. Hey, they had no question in their mind what he's talking about then. They knew, oh, wow, the difference between before and after is incredible. And all you have to do is look at their lives and the way that they responded and the powerful preaching and the fact that they, the Lord used them to heal and all the ministry. They took the world in two years. How did they do that? They took step one. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't try to do it in their own strength. And so we see here that he, uh, we see that Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit was a priority to God. Even before this, he told of the coming of the Holy Spirit and he gave John the Baptist, who was this New Testament prophet, and that was his number one message that God gave him to give, is letting him know that Jesus' message is going to be this very thing. And we see this, in fact, this message I'm getting ready to read to you, it's in all four of the Gospels. Now, if you, if you get a Bible and you get a parallel and you kind of see something you may even have in your Bible or Bible software, you may be able to see uh, uh, some of the things, the miracles that happen and some of the stories of the Bible, and it will tell you that you can find that same thing in Mark here and Matthew and John, but it'll leave it out of Luke, and you'll sign something else that's in two of them. Some it's only in one of them, but not a lot of things. There's, a, there's not a whole lot of things that all four Gospels has got this exact same account this one is this is so important it's in all four of the gospels the same thing because this message was so important it says in matthew and so matthew's account in matthew chapter 3 verse 11 it may be up there it says i indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than i whose shoes i am not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the holy ghost and with fire 
He's letting us know. He's saying, I'm getting ready to send my son. My son's coming. And when he comes, not only, you know, John's preaching baptism uh, for repentance, and that's important, and that's step number one. But then the next most important thing after you get saved is to let him fill you with the Holy Spirit. And my son's coming so that not only to pay the price for sin, but he's coming so that he can point you and lead you and, 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 and direct you toward the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so it was important. In fact, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is God himself. And he was, he, before he took step one, preached his first sermon, before he went into that wilderness to be tempted, the first thing that happened, he came to John and the Holy Spirit came down and rested on him and God identified, this is my son. And there was that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And before he did anything, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Of course, he is God himself. And he showed that that was important. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit, Scripture says, from the womb. Before he was even born, and his mother felt this jolt and it was the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of John himself and so before he could ever do what God called him to do he needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit he was the one going to preach about it coming and so God filled him so he'd know what he's talking about and then we go on and we see even I mean it could go on and on and on but Paul when Paul was was running from God and he thought he was doing right and God struck him off of that uh, on that d- d- trip to Damascus and we see that he was blinded it says that he was sent to Ananias that he would pray that God would heal him and Fill him with the Holy Ghost. What difference it made in people's lives over and over and over again when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So this morning I ask you this question. How about you? Is your name in that list? Did the Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit indwelled in you? Has God done something in you? And if not, he can do it today. And then if he has, it's not part of my notes. How long has it been? How long has it been since he is just overflowed you. I'm telling you, this morning I was praying, and I'm telling you what, I, I was kind of at the end of my prayer, and, and I was, you know, I've been praying and so forth, and I, I don't know if it was just because of this message that I've been praying for and so forth, but all of a sudden the Lord wouldn't let me leave. He wouldn't let me get out of His presence. He's still in the dark, and he was praying this morning, and He just, boy, He was just overflowing me with the Spirit, and I just kept walking, and like, Lord, as long you just keep it as long as you want to keep moving. You keep speaking, and it's just refreshing. It refreshes your spirit and soul when you let the Lord fill you with the Holy Spirit so many times we try to live on that experience of just getting saved but the Lord says I got more for you I got more for you that's not part of my notes but that's that's the truth this morning and so we see that it was a priority and so it was a priority even to God and we also see that the the uh, it was a it was a priority to Jesus it says in this verse four it says that he commanded them not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father which you've heard of me. I've told you about this. Don't leave. This was his last message. And for 40 days, he's been telling them about what he's going to do. And But this is step number one. Because if you forget the most important part, you're not going to get to step two. You're not going to be able to accomplish what God has called you. So it was important to God. It was important to Christ. And we see even after this, you can look a few chapters. I think in uh, uh, Acts chapter 8, we're going to see that it was important to the early church. It was very important. Once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to see the Holy Spirit was a priority to the early church. Acts chapter 8, I don't think this is up there, but verses 14 through 17 says now when the apostles were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria now these Samaritans just think about what this is saying the Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile and they were rejected by these Jews they didn't want any part of them they considered them to be off cast they didn't want any part to get around them but all of a sudden something's changed in their heart and they found out that the word had gotten to these people these Christians in Samaria and they had been filled 
uh, and it hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, but they'd received the Word of God. And it says, it goes on at the end of the verse, it says, they sent unto them, they'd heard that they were saved, but hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. What did they do? They sent on Peter and John. Immediately, as soon as they heard, there's, there's Christians that's in Samaria, but they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, they sent two of their greatest apostles down there and says, you've got to go take it to them. You've got to go tell them about it. And it, verse 15 says, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost for as yet, a footnote, for as yet, he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 17 says, Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. The early church realized how important it was. And it goes on and on. Paul done it. Other uh, people, that's one of the most important things. You got saved. Awesome. Now you've got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember growing up, that was, it was, you know, you get saved at church. And, and you, sometimes people get filled the same night. You just, and you, yeah, that's wonderful. You got saved. Now push you back down. Now you've got to keep praying to get the Holy Spirit. It used, people used to realize how important it was even more than now. And now we've kind of got into a state, well, that's just, that's uh, okay. I'm doing okay with that. Hopefully Today we realize that that's not the case. We need the Holy Spirit. Let me let me give you a statistic. Now I, I can't find the updated version. Don't know what it is now. I'm assuming it could be worse. But I remember I think in B. H. Clendenin's preaching uh, at least 15 years ago, he was talking about Pentecostal churches. I've gave the statistic I think before about Pentecostal churches and the Holy Ghost. He was saying that out of Pentecostal churches, we're not talking about all the denominations that don't believe there's a separate indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about Pentecostal churches that say we believe there is a distinct, separate experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the sign is the uh, speaking of tongues is the sign. That's not getting it. That is just the sign. And we, and that, we believe that. And it said at that time only 16% of Pentecostals were ever, had ever been filled. And then the question then was then how many were still filled or being filled on a regular basis? So only a handful of people in Pentecostal churches today is being filled and refilled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's almost an option that we think. And listen, I, I think that it's so important. Does, do you have to have the Holy Spirit to make it into heaven? It doesn't say that, but I'm telling you what, it sure makes it so much easier to get there. I can tell you that right now. It's so much easier and more powerful that God can use your life and do things in your life if you are filled. So we see there is a priority. It is important. It should be important to you. And so, and you may be sitting there saying, but I don't know. I've not been filled. I'm not, but you, okay, I ask you, I ask you to start praying. God, if it's important, put a burden in my heart. God, please help me. God, open my eyes. God, put a stirring in me. And just as the Spirit dealt with us when we got saved, the Lord will give you a desire to, for Him to do more because He wants to do some things in our lives that could never happen without this indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. So we looked at the priority now we're going to look at the promise. He promised that he was going to. And let me tell you something. When God promises, it, you know, I've always tried to do that with my kids. I learned that really early. I, I did not want to make a promise if I wasn't going to keep it. Because I wanted them to believe when dad said something, he's going to do it. And there's many a times I was like, I did say that, didn't I? And I would have to come through because I don't want to lie to them. Well, let me tell you something. Who's never, you won't find one time in all this word right here. Not one time you'll find God promised anything. He didn't come through. And so God promised that not only this early church, there's a lot of people believe that that indwelling of the Holy Spirit was only for the book of Acts so that people would, would know about the Holy Spirit and so forth. But in those miracles and everything else, were, they're dead. They're not happening anymore. How many of you here can say this morning, you've been healed before? 
How many can say that? You will say, I've been healed for sure. God's touched me. And so God, is God healing? Is it for today? If we, we go to, it would be, a, how, how dreadful it would be if you believe that God still wasn't active in the world that we live in today. And when we come with our great needs and we come with those bad diagnoses, we come with those family members that are broken and we come here and one of the encouraging things is we come as a body, we say, well, I'm going to take that need and I'm going to pray for that need because why? We believe God can move and God will move. And how, how horrible it would be to think, you just got to live with it. That's just the way it is. God's not going to do it. No, God will do that. Now, this morning, and I won't make you raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. This morning, if you know, if you know, I've already told you this morning, God was moving and stirring and filling me, refilling me this morning. This morning, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you know it wasn't just for 2,000 years ago. It is something God wants to do today. It is something God can do today, and He wants to do today. And if it wasn't so important, then why did the Lord say, don't you do a thing until you get filled with that Holy Spirit? And he made him wait 10 days. 10 days. Why did he make, you know, you wonder about, why did he have to wait 10? He could have said, he could have blowed on, at one point it says he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The work was done. The work was done. The Lord, when he does it, it's done right. But why did they wait 10 days? You know what, in my opinion, I think sometimes we have to get to the end of us. I think that they had to sit there and wait. And they had to get sit there and wait. Till they, and they contemplated and they realized. They, they're thinking of all the things they want to do. And they had to wait so that it had to be a divine intervention of God himself. Because they didn't, God, they, he, they, he wanted them to realize, you have to depend on me. You ain't going to take a step. You ain't going to do that thing that God's put in your heart. God may put something in your heart. And you ain't going to be able to accomplish it the way God wants you to until you wait in the presence of God till he saturates you till he empowers you until he says now go now go once you're filled with the spirit wow what a difference he'll make in your life once he fills you and so there's a promise and he says wait for it and it says which you have heard of me so he says I've told you about this here's some of the things he said in, in Luke 24 49 says and behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tear in Jerusalem until you be endued with power that word endued means to be completely clothed it means to be have clothing from the top to the bottom completely surrounded with power from on high God wants to empower you with his Holy Spirit, and that's what he promised he was going to do. He also promised to send them a comforter. We see in John 14, verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you. Praise the Lord forever. Forever. I'm, get, I'm here. You've seen me. You know about God. You know God. And God's moved. And you feel God stir. And, and, we, and you know God because you've seen me. But I'm getting ready to leave. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you without a comforter. I, you've been, you're so dependent. You're scared about me leaving because I, for three and a half years, I've led you and guided you, instructed you, and, and, and empowered you. You've seen the miraculous happen. But what I'm getting, I'm getting ready to go up. And it's good for me to do that because I'm getting ready to send you another comforter that's even better, that's never never going to leave you. That's never going to leave you. He's going to be there working in your life and moving in your life. So he's promised to be you clothe you with power. He's promised you to give you a comforter that will never leave you and be there when you, he needs you. And that word uh, comforter there is parakletos in the, in the original language. And it means to stand beside a helper that stand. Have you ever had someone come up and you had a task and it seemed, I'll, I'll give you an example this week. Last week I sat there and I tried to put that drum shield Thank, how many thankful for the drum shield this morning? Isn't that good that it's here? And it's done a good, Jeff done a good job, and it, and it works really well this morning. And so uh, the church purchased that, and I'm so glad. But last week I was trying to put this thing together myself. 
And I was up here on the platform. If you ought to see me, it was a mess. I sat there and I sweat like a fiend. And I was trying to get my message ready and stuff. And I was thinking I'd just go pop this thing together and throw it up. And I worked on that for over an hour. And I couldn't get more than two put pieces in it. I'd push in the top of the second side and the bottom would pop out. And I was like, this is killing me. I finally said, forget it. And I put it in the back room. Well, Jeff, come and help me. Yesterday, I called him and told him he won't know when I was going to be here. And so he come by, and uh, he brought some spray stuff we could put down in the scene. And, buddy, I'm telling you what, it didn't take us long at all, did it, Jeff? All of a sudden, working together, I had a paracletos. I had somebody come up beside me, and we got down on the floor right there in the front. And it wasn't but a few minutes we had that thing put up and lifted up there. And I was like, praise the Lord. It makes a difference when you have a paracletos. And this morning, the Holy Spirit is wanting to be there 24 in the middle of the night when you're going through that problem, when you're going through that fear, when you see that result, or you get that bill you don't know what you're going to do with. you got that family problem. It seems like it's turned upside down and you don't have the answer. You've got that paracletos, that Holy Spirit down inside of you that says, I got it under control. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you power. Whatever you're facing, I'm the answer. And so he says, I'll be there for you. Hallelujah. He'll come. And so he's given us a promise that we would have power and a comforter. You know what else he promised? He promised the Holy Spirit would provide wisdom and direction in your life uh, that you can trust in today. John chapter 15, verse 26 says, But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Let me tell you something, we live in a time when there's so many voices that's trying to call us, to try to get our attention, to try to draw us up to believe and to follow after them and to realize and saying, oh, this isn't important or that's important. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, and, and we, so we're sitting here in a struggle of what to believe. And you, you hear so many contrasting voices today. What he's promising here is when I send my spirit, he is going to give you direction. He's going to give you wisdom. He is going to give you peace in your soul to make the right decision. And most of all, to know the truth when it's concerning me. He's going to point you toward the truth. I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And He is going to direct your attention toward me. Hallelujah. So the Lord wants to move in our lives. And so He's given us a promise. He promised. Not only then, but He promises it to you today. Hallelujah. So there is a priority in the Holy Spirit. There is a promise of the Holy Spirit. Hey, let me tell you something. When somebody promised me, me something, I take it to the bank, don't you? If they promises, I, I'm sitting there waiting for them when it comes time. Hey, when you do a job every week, you've got a promise that says, if you work, I'm going to pay you so much money. Now, you don't want to have to worry at the end of the week whether that promise is going to get fulfilled. You need to, if you get direct deposits, you want to be able to look in the bank on Friday or whatever day you get paid, and you get to see that someone kept their promise. The Lord keeps His promises every single time and he's promised to give us that holy spirit so he it's a priority it's a promise available to you today but you have to be the one to accept it you have to be the one to desire it we also are going to look finally today we're going to look at some more next week but today we're going to look at the purpose of the holy spirit what's its purpose why do you even need it why is it so important what are you talking about go on to something else let's talk about healing or let's talking about something else why do we have to have this holy spirit it says in verse 8 but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. 
when he said that to these disciples, this was before they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This was before they knew the full purpose of what God was going to do. He, they didn't understand some of this, uh, some of the Gentile business and all that. And when he said this list to them, now you've got to think about, they had just watched him 40 days before. The, the, they just had watched him be crucified. They'd already been thrown out of several hours. And so when he says, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be filled with power. And they thought, you better fill me with power. Because the next thing he said, and you're going to be witness to me in Jerusalem. Now when he said Jerusalem to them, they're sitting there thinking, whoa, wait a minute, whoa, time out. Jerusalem, that's where 40 days ago they strung you up and put you on a cross and killed you. And you're telling me, you're telling me I'm supposed to go and tell them that, about you? And I'm next. Well, it's going to take some power for that to happen. Something's going to have to change because Peter and all of them has been running scared and hid and behind closed doors. They didn't even know what was going on because they were hiding because they thought, I'm next. And all of a sudden, he's telling them they're going to be witness. You know that word witness there actually means the same word as martyr it's the same word as a martyr and he's saying to them you're going to be a martyr <laughs> it means talking about testifying and, and, and telling what things has happened to you but it also is the same word as martyr and you're going to be a martyr <laughs> and they're thinking not what so that he's saying but let me tell you something i'm going to make you burn i'm going to make you on fire i'm going to, the world's going to see me through you it's going to see me through you and so he tells them you're going to go to jerusalem and so they're like oh lord I don't know if I can do it. It's going to take a power because we're going to be next. And it says, then it says in Judea, wait a minute, Lord, they've already kicked us out. They've already, they've already rejected. They've, the people has already rejected you in Judea. And then it says in Samaria, Samaria, these are the people that are half Jew and half Gentile. We're not even supposed to be around these people. We're not even supposed to be anywhere near them. They're not good enough. You've got to come through. Lord, you're going to have to do something in my heart for me to love them. And then it goes even further. And it says to the other most part of the earth, the Gentiles, we're going to talk to the Gentiles about you and point them to you. Oh, Lord, how's that going to happen? I'll tell you it's going to happen. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, everything from their perspective, their mind, their hearts, the entire, their entire being was transformed because of this. And so he gave them the power that they needed. See, they had a different thing on their mind. They was waiting for that kingdom to come down. They were looking for to get regal robes and to have high positions and wondered where their throne was going to be set. They've already had arguments about, could we have a seat next to you? Mothers is already sitting there trying to intervene how mothers like to take care of their kids. And she's like, can my son have one seat on the left side and one on the right side? They were looking. We see that here. They're still thinking about themselves in verse 6 and 7. It says, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, sorry, it is not for you. He didn't say sorry, but that's what he meant. It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father hath put in his own power. He's saying, you're thinking of yourself. You're looking for what, what's going to happen for you. You're thinking about how, how this kingdom's going to come down, and you're going to be in great positions of leadership. But let me tell you something. Here's what I can tell you. Here's what God's plan is for you right now. Until I do bring my messianic kingdom down and, and establish it here on earth, the number thing you one you need to be uh, understanding is, is that number verse 8, but ye shall receive power. I want to fill you with power right now. You, you're, the way you're going to get to the things that you're looking for is first you got to be filled with power from on high. And we see that the first thing he wants, the purpose is to overflow you with God's power, that endued with power that I read a moment ago. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you to accomplish God's work. You need God's power. 
to accomplish God's work, you need God's power. You can do it all day long in yourself. And all of a sudden, when God infills you with His presence, something changes. Something changes. Hallelujah. Every one of us today, if I were to ask you, probably each one of you has had different times. And maybe even today, you're feeling like, I want to do something for God. I just don't know what it is. And you look inside yourself. And sometimes that's the best way to do Look inside and realize you don't have what it takes to do it. God's put a little thing in your heart. God's stirring you. God's moving in you. But you realize that inside of you, you can't accomplish it. That's a very good revelation to come up with. You need to realize that you can't. You can't. You don't even want to try. You can't accomplish what he wants to do in you in your own strength. It's only when he fills you full of the Holy Spirit and with his power. That's why he said at first, I'm going to fill you with power so that you can do the work that I've called you to do. I want to fill you with the work. I, I, that power, and I've told you this story, but it, it just lives on in my memory, and i got to tell it. Uh, when I was about 16, and Danny Fisher, who's, who's went, on, uh, to, uh, went on to heaven, I hope, and uh, he uh, was my first boss, and he was a good boss, and he tried to instruct me, and I wouldn't listen. I was a young uh, guy that didn't listen that much. I know you all can't believe that. I know it's a shock and revelation to you, but I didn't listen too well. Mom, Dad, don't need an amen or anything, but I didn't listen too well sometimes. And he tried to instruct me, give me all this business. I'm telling you later on in life, I thought back and said, man, if I don't listen to what that man told me, I'd be rich right now. But I didn't. I didn't listen. He tried to help me, but I didn't listen. But he kind of took me under his wing, started working for him when I was 15. And I remember one, and I don't know why he didn't fire me at this, on this day, but we had, he had all these big freezers. You all remember the store, Quick Stop in London. Some of you all do. Had all these sales every day. He had a good business. But he, he got worried one day. He, cut, he brought me over and said, James, come look at this. I wonder what's wrong with this big freezer unit out here in the middle of the floor with the meat in front of the meat cooler. I don't know, Danny. I have no idea. He said, let's go back here and check. And I don't know. <laughs> big mistake, take me. Let's go back here and check. He just had to come back from getting his hair cut. His hair, I need a haircut. Thank God we can get them this week. I'm ready. And not all of us has a, as a home, has somebody at the house can take care of it like Eddie does. But uh, I need a haircut. I need a haircut, so I need to start visiting Eddie's house a little bit. But we need to, uh, we need, but the, I remember him saying, we, uh, we need to go back and check on that freezer. And I go back there, okay, Danny, and I don't know what I'm doing. And it's got the, it's them old uh, uh, breakers, or not breakers, but it was a fuse box. Open it up, look like big shotgun shells, okay? You know the story, look like big shotgun shells to me, whatever they're called. You all know my ignorance right there. So, But it, to me, it's big shotgun shells. And I'm looking at them, they look good to me. I mean, they're all there. Nothing looked different with them. And he said, there must be a problem. And he knew which box it was. He had a ton of them in this room. And he opened. I don't know what he was thinking. Well, it shows. He had me there, so he wasn't thinking nothing. So he's sitting there with me. And all of a sudden, he just reaches. I guess he thinks the power's off. He reaches in. It's going to change that fuse. He just reaches in, takes hold. Now, this is probably 220, I guess. This is a big freezer. So it's got. It's more. I know it ain't no 110. He reaches in and gets a hold of that thing. And that's when I got my first realization what power looked like. He got a hold of that thing. And when he did, he was, and, he was, and it, well, it's awful. It's awful. He lived through this. So you won't hate me. You won't th- I wasn't laughing at him because at that moment, I was scared out of my mind. I did know enough. Dad being an electrician. Dad's an electrician. I, I still didn't know enough. So I, knew, I did learn enough being helping Dad handing him tools and wire and everything else. You don't touch someone who is in electric because you're going to complete the circuit. Now you're going to be lit up just like them. And uh, so I seen him, and he, and he was trying his best to reach to get me to pull him off. And the, the, 
Here was my response. This is, this is embarrassing. This was my response to his situation. I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. Like, here he is. This guy's dying as I'm watching. And I'm, whoa, I'm not touching him. And I sat there looking around. I said, it was a broom right there. I could have knocked. Luckily, somehow he got knocked off of it. I don't know why he didn't fire me right then. But he was, I mean, he was eat up with power. He was eat up with power. Let me tell you something. That's nothing. That is nothing like what the Lord wants to do. And it don't hurt you like that. It's a good thing what God wants to do. He wants to overflow you with such a dramatic uh, 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 response. When His Spirit gets inside of you, when His Spirit overflows you, it's more dramatic than what I witnessed that day. It's even more dramatic what He wants to do in your life. And so that word receive means take hold of. Take hold of not a breaker but take hold of the holy spirit and let him fill you he wants to overflow you that's the purpose the second thing he wants you to be an effective witness now this is where we have problems this is where oh yeah we want the power we want god to use us but not witness god give me something else let me maybe be do something else behind the scenes don't i don't like talking how many of you would admit i really don't like talking to people i it, it, it's hard for me to to witness to people because it doesn't come natural it's, it's for most people now dad he likes to talk to everybody some of you all like to talk to everybody and so uh if you we'll get somewhere i mean if he don't know you he's gonna know you before you leave he's gonna know everything about you but now for most people you, you can talk to people and respond to them and so forth, but it takes something special for you to direct that conversation to the things of God. It takes something special. What's happening? You're looking inside and you realize you don't have what it takes, and we don't. There is nothing. The enemy will never put within you the ability or desire to reach out others for Christ in your own strength. You can't do it, but you're going to find. You don't have to work it up. You're going to find. You don't have to look for an opportunity. You're going to find that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, opportunities are going to come knocking on your door. You're going to see that God can use you, overflow you, and he can make you an effective witness. There was a preacher of old, George Whitfield, that was such a powerful man of God in preaching. And he must have been because he had five. Now, think about this. Imagine some of you probably was groaning on the way to 11 o'clock today. But he had 5 a.m. preaching services, 5 a.m. preaching services. And you're wondering, uh, you're wondering who came to those. <laughs> there was actually people that was so, wanted to come and hear the word of God that he seen that th they would be effective. And it was, I was reading about a man. His name was David Hume. He was a Scottish philosopher, and he was definitely skeptical of that God was true. He really didn't believe that God was true. And so at 5 o'clock in the morning, it was a, probably 10 minutes to 5, he, somebody seen him that was on their way to the service and seen this man, David Hume, was on his way to the same service, and they were confused. They was like, David Hume, you're going to the service. Yes, sir. Why are you going to the service? I thought you didn't believe in God. He says, I don't, but he does. But he does. What was the difference? He didn't even believe it. He, but it was so, he realized that that man that was preaching had such a desire, had such a power about his preaching. He believed in what he was preaching so intently, he had to go hear what he had to say because, man, there's something different about the way that man preaches because he believes what he said. And he was interested in finding out, is it true? The Lord can do something through you and make you an effective witness with what you say. The Lord can also make you an effective witness by the way you live. I read another article that said, talking about uh, uh, David Livingston, that, that missionary, I think, what, to Africa and some of the, some of the deep Africans. There, there was an English uh, uh, 
man named Sir Henry Staley that had this testimony about Livingston. He actually went and stayed a little period of time with him and helped him do some things while he was on in this mission field. And he said, and so when he was asked about it, he said, I had to leave. He said, if I would have been with him any longer, I would have had been compelled. I would have just had to give my heart to God. And he never even spoke to me about it. He never even tried to get me. He never tried to compel me to try to twist my arm to give my heart to the Lord. But just by being around this man, just being in his presence, there was something powerful about him that made me feel conviction. I was compelled. If I'd stayed there any longer, I had to give. Just like, what was it? Is was it Felix or was it uh, which one said that uh, Paul almost thou persuadest me to become a Christian just by being King Agrippa just by being in their presence there's something powerful about them what was the difference was it Paul was it his he knew how to speak all no he it was the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit was able to and that's why the Holy God said you don't even have to worry about what you're going to say don't plan what you're going to say when you come up against things when you come into court when they bring you to testify don't even worry about what you're going to say don't prepare your grief you just wait because when you get there I'm going to give you the words how do I do that through the Holy Spirit through the Holy, in fact, the beginning this week, did you read? Did you hear me read? It says that Jesus, during those 40 days, that he instructed them through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, given direction, given instruction. He wants to do that today by the way you live. And finally, we see that we can witness by the way you love. There was something that we're going to look at maybe a little bit next week, talking about the love of the Holy Spirit, that when it fills you all of a sudden, how did they reach the uttermost parts of the world when they were rejecting them before. How did they go to Samaria? How did they go to the uttermost parts of the world? How did they let the people even in Jerusalem? What changed when they were filled with the Holy Spirit? All of a sudden, a love filled them so intently that they that even their things that they were had in common, all of a sudden, they didn't care about worldly things anymore. They just loved each other. The Holy Spirit led people to people were flocking because they said, "Look at those! Look at that! What's happening? The Holy Spirit is shining through them, so that other." Others could see who, not them, but there must. Hey, they knew it wasn't the people. They knew these people. They've been living with them their whole life. Something's changing those people. It ain't them. I've known that person my whole life. What is it? They look up. They know it must be that God that they're serving. It must be that God. And so they can see that they are even reaching the people that they used to hate. They love them that much. Billy Sunday, a mighty preacher of old, he said the Lord where it says to reach, reach and preach to the uttermost. His statement was the Lord has anointed me to preach to the guttermost part of the earth. His ministry was to go out into the streets and to the gutters and to the lowest places where outcasts were when no one else even wanted to shine. That when they took people through the city, they didn't want to take them down that street. And that's where Billy Sunday would go preach the gospel. And people would turn to the Lord. Why? Because he had a heart of love for these people. Because God had put something in him through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see that these disciples obeyed. Next week, we're going to look a little bit more what happened when they obeyed and how that outpouring uh, looked and what God did with it and how, what impact it had. But let me ask you this, because they did. They only received it. They only got this blessing. They only got to see what God told them to do, what God had planned for them because they listened to what he said. They obeyed what he said. They did what he said. And boy, did they not regret it when he filled them full of the Spirit. Whoosh, they couldn't stay in that upper room. Man, they had to get on the street. That was God's plan. They had to get on that street. Man, I got to get out of here. Woo, I feel like I can do it now. I, I felt like I could do it before. But man, I feel like I can do something for God now. Lord, he's changed me. I'm thinking completely different. I have some strength in me. All of a sudden, their eyes were different. Their heart was different. Their minds were different. Their desires were different. They had strength they didn't know of before. And so we see that they did. 
but they found out they couldn't do it without the presence of the Lord. But the question is today, this morning, how about you? How about you? The Lord offers the same thing to each and every child of God. He's saying, I came to save you. I came to fill you. But even when John was telling about the Lord coming that he was going to save, he said, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He says, I've given you the best thing. I, oh, I'm just, I have washed you with my blood. But if you miss the next part, you're missing some of the good stuff. You know, as, as I close this morning, Priscilla would come to the piano. I was thinking about this, and I've used, I've used this illustration for some other things, but this weekend it kind of caught my attention thinking about power, untapped power, untapped potential in the things of God. I was reading a, a, a story of a, a young person. I remember seeing these growing up and being very fascinated. We even have them sometimes in our class and watch the process of a caterpillar, an ugly old caterpillar. That you don't want to fool with. I don't want to, didn't want to play with caterpillars that much. But I tell you what. But wasn't it beautiful when that process of metamorphosis occurred? That cocoon, which symbolizes like a death, a change is happening that you can't even see. Boy, isn't that? I mean, that is some of the most. You, you can get such spiritual applications out of that caterpillar into a butterfly in your spiritual walk. But there is a, there first has to come an end to that old life. There has to be that cocoon like death to yourself. And then all of a sudden what emerges is something brand new, new potential that you never dreamed that you would have never seen before. And so I was reading about a little a young boy that had had this cocoon and he had been watching it. And every day he would run outside to see if it was opened up because it seems like it takes forever for this to happen. And finally one day he seen some movement of this cocoon. Oh, he was so excited. So he's sitting there watching and he said, he said all of a sudden he seen the end kind of open up on the cocoon. And he's seen it open. Oh, it's going to happen. Here it comes. He watched. Nothing was happening. It was a lot of moving, but it would struggle a little bit and stop. Struggle a little bit and stop try to poke something through and he'd see little things poke through and it was still and he was like man that cocoon is is handicapping that thing i want to see it get out i want to see it I want, and he just got impatient and he said well let me just i'll just do something good you want to do good for animals sometimes and he just took the little cocoon and he ripped the top a little bit so it could easy get out and it worked it did all of a sudden it just flop it fell out yeah i'm excited now i can see it i want to see it fly and he watched it walk around and his wings were just kind of, you know, when they first came out, their wings are, 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 you know, it was all silky looking and they were ugly and they weren't. And he's waiting for the caterpillar that turned into a butterfly to fly. And finally he went and talked to his mom and said, Mom, what's wrong? Is this wrong with this thing? It's not flying. This butterfly is not spreading its wings. It's not flying. And when she realized what he'd done, she said, Oh, honey, see, what you don't understand, that struggle that it's going through that's how it makes it. That's it causes that butterfly to push body fluids from its body as it struggles. It's pushing them through those veins and those wings so that it builds up strength. So when it finally is able to emerge, it is now filled its wings with that ability for strength and to be able to fly. And because of the way that it came out, it was never going to fly. I was looking at that and I was thinking about that illustration. I was thinking about... Can the question, can we make it to heaven? Can you make it to heaven without the Holy Spirit? The answer is you can, you can make it, but it's not, it's not going to be easy. You can make it. But here's the thing. 
that butterfly still had legs. He still could walk around. But because it wasn't experiencing the fullness of what it was designed to do, it was never going to fly. It was never going to soar. You can make it. You can drag yourself. You can get there. You can muster up strength. God help me make it another day. God help me not to make that mistake again. You can make it and you can keep moving toward the things of God. But the Lord says, that's not what I called you to do. I have called you to fly. I've called you to be filled. I've called you to soar. I've called you to be able to be lifted up. I've called you to be so much more beautiful and to do so much more. But you're satisfied. I'll just keep dragging. I'll keep doing it in my own strength. That's not what God asks us to do. God wants to empower you. God wants you to come from that caterpillar to that soaring butterfly, that beautiful thing that others can see and say, it ain't them. Look at the change that's happened. What is it? It has to be God. It has to be God. And so God wants to fill his people with his power. He wants to empower us today. It's available today. The question is, do we want it bad enough? Are we concerned and are we stirred even today? Let's stand this morning. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Bow our heads this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that God, today, that you still, Lord, are asking and calling your people, Lord, to surrender completely to you, to be empowered with your Holy Spirit. God, you want us to have more of you. You want us to have more of an intense relationship. God, you want to overflow us so that you can use us. God, all through Scripture, Almighty God, you would empower somebody. Oh, God, that even, Lord, even in old times, God, you would shake somebody. You would stir someone. Even saw you filled him. Lord, you did things in people's lives that made them empowered to do things they couldn't do before. And God, in this generation, in this church, we believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to overflow us. God, let us not be satisfied without it. Let us not go on and say, Lord, I'll just take it the way I've got it. Lord, but let us be wanting more so that you can fill us full and overflowing. So that, God, you can accomplish what you want to do. So that you can reach the world because of what people see in our lives. The change that you make. God, I pray that by your mighty power that you would be feeling this place overflowing. God, that when people look at this church, God, that there would even be a pillar, a cloud of smoke, God, that your glory would be so evident, God, that we're not able to contain it. Oh, Lord, just like that upper room, that, God, we would be filled, overflowing, empowered with your spirit. Almighty God, that you would transform us, God, that we would be just as they said as they come out of the upper room. Oh, look at the change that's happened in my life. I would have never dreamed that things could have been this way. I would have never dreamed I could have this much confidence and faith that I could hear the voice of God, that I could see Him do the miraculous. Oh, because the difference is, is because of Your Spirit and power. God, I pray that You would, God, burn within us this morning. Hallelujah.